And one of the things we talk about is if we don't give effort, if we're not recognized for effort at the University of Oklahoma, then I'm a con man and they're a fraud. All right, guys, welcome to the Rough Rider Recruiting Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Kamiar Marabian, joined by my co-host today in Stephen Brown. Stephen, it is Wednesday, my dudes, uh, the 2nd of September, so we're officially in the, I guess, like, what, the fourth quarter of 2020, thank God. We're almost it's, out. Jeez, it's, oh man, it's, it's, it has not been fun, like, it's just been downhill ever since the Super Bowl. It's like, what? Well, every month there's something just terrible that happens. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's just been it's like, just like one bad news World after War III, another. Kobe, COVID. Uh, yeah. even, like, what's his name? Black Panther. Oh, uh, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. It's I think like, how that's, many times do you just get punched in the face? I think that's like year. really commendable by chadwick boseman as far as how he went about that because it was not known to the general public that he was having a battle with cancer and then the next thing you know it's like it, it just pops up that he had passed away and everybody's thinking like there's no way because we had not heard about this at all and they, they just they didn't tell anybody so right you like you go back through like all his past interviews and he mentions things like wishing that time could stop so he could do a lot of things at once and i'm like well that is depressing yeah Yeah. but yeah i mean it's just i have really good memories of going to vegas for the super bowl and just doing a bunch of dumb things and then (laughs) ever and then just like as soon as you get back if the world war three thing and then kobe and everything else for every month was just not good but i guess today the cdc sent out like a legitimate mail email mail i don't know it was in letter form but the letter was digital so (laughs) i don't know what you would say i don't know you would call that but they sent out something to states governors saying that vaccines for covid could be available by uh, right next to the presidential election by the very end of october which let's do it i don't know if that that like i don't know if that is going to happen but i think it's really really great news that it, it is being planned to happen sooner rather than later. I mean, like that would suggest it's like a little glimmer of hope. Yeah, that would that's that would suggest we're about less than sixty days away from something significant, or about sixty days right. from some something significant, which is great. But uh, yeah, let's 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 talk about football. We have a lot of things. I mean, foot, there's OU football next week. There's actual football this weekend. D one football. Uh, there's a lot more. Um, the Big Ten might actually end up playing football, which is incredible to me. But just a lot of things, and the ESPN releases their top 50 players, which are you know really headlined by Oklahoma State players. So let's get into this thing. So like I said, the Big Ten, it's not for sure, but yesterday, I think it was yesterday the day before, there's been a lot of traction, I think from Nicole Auerbach and a couple other dudes, um, that suggested that the Big Ten is having like advanced discussions on actually playing football in the second half of October. And so what is, what does this, what does this mean? I I imagine this would impact recruiting positively for them and negatively for the big 12 and others that are playing football now. And then, but also I've, wouldn't that not impact a lot of other things regarding like a playoff or 
like the power of like you we mentioned talking about this before the podcast wouldn't this like really mess with the power the lines of division of power between presidents and conference commissioners and stuff like that with the big 10 if coaches really just pushed and kept on getting their way yeah i mean the big 10 is known for their you know academics um all these research institutes, all this other stuff, and the the powers lie with the, the school presidents. And if they were to go back on just immediately uh, going back on their decision to cancel the season, uh, where is that power of the presidents? I mean, it's, at the end of the day, it's an academic institution, uh, but all of a sudden now it looks like the athletic directors and the coaches and all that, they have all the real power. So... I mean, it, it, it's simply a money thing, is it not? Or would it be would it be a money thing combined with? It's it's a money thing. It's also a little bit of political balance. Let's I mean, let's just be honest. It's that's what it is. Um, but definitely with the money, a lot of programs rely on. I mean, they rely on the money just to break even. Yeah. Nobody's surprised the Pac-12 has not revisited these. <laughs> these Pac-12 is just right? silent. They're like, yeah. uh, you might nobody's surprised, right? It's just. Unbelievable to me because you you look at those institutions in the big in the big in the Big Ten, and I can look at or Rutgers and I can look at oh who else is, who else is in the Big Ten that is like more academic than they are like Northwestern I can see those dudes in, in I mean say, Michigan yeah is kind of in that conversation that just have a pretty decent team and I I can see I can say that yeah that makes sense those are some more the the more well-educated schools, especially like guys like you know schools like Northwestern. That's in, it's it's a very yeah. good institution for uh, education. But then I look at like Ohio State, and you look at Penn State, and these are schools that are I imagine are itching to play football because that's 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 a part of their culture. I mean, even Nebraska, where they pack the stadium for the spring game, <laughs> knowing that they're going to win four games that year. And so I, it's just incredible that Nebraska. Out of all the other Big Ten schools, we kept on pushing and pushing and pushing to play football, and the Big Ten was like, "Sorry, I mean, COVID's not good for you." Ah. And then now the Big Ten is maybe and looks like that probably going to reverse course and play in the second half of October. Meanwhile, you have the Big Twelve, the ACC, and the SEC slated to play games starting next week in the i guess the second week of september so how does that even how would they even shake out if like let's say the season is done and it's like a what a 10 game season <laughs> how like would it wouldn't the big 10 be roughly i mean let's say if it's conference only they have eight games or something like that or maybe just they had, maybe they do have 10 games would they still not be four weeks behind i mean at the end of, they would have to be you wouldn't even consider them for a playoff spot. You shouldn't. I mean, I guess you could just do the Big Ten championship, but that's after that. I mean, it wouldn't be fair to any of these any of these other teams because everybody else had stopped playing, and these guys still have like three and a half weeks still left to go. And right. I, I just don't understand how that would work unless they just want to do a conference only just to get a lot of money really fast. And then how do you pick it? Like. Um let's say like the three conferences finish and then let's say you get two sec schools and acc school and it's between the big 12 and the big 10 and there's gonna be some reasons you bias let's say ohio state plays they uh right. they finish the conference now how do you gauge that do you do the recency with ohio state playing well or do you just take a chance on let's say oklahoma 
Yeah, I, I don't get. I, I really, I just don't understand that part. And it's really interesting because the Big Ten now you see them instead of like look guys looking around a transfer. Like for example, I think I saw somewhere that Justin Fields was actually visiting a Georgia practice like last week or the week before that. <laughs> And everybody said, oh, my God, myself included. I said, oh, my God, like the Big Ten is seriously about to implode, especially with a quarterback opting out of Georgia today, which is really interesting. And so it went from free reign of, yeah, everybody's going to transfer, including Trey Sermon, who just transferred out of OU just to not play, to looking like it's quite possible that they are going to play. So I imagine recruiting will be positively positively impacted by that for the Big Ten, but... I don't necessarily think that it'll be a negative thing for OU because a lot of their products are not guys that the Big Ten is hotly pursuing, I guess you might say. A lot of the, a lot of them are <clears throat> DMV guys on the East Coast or Texas guys. You don't have a lot of guys that they would be in, in on that schools like Ohio State, Michigan would be seriously in on, right? Well, the two would be Emeka Ibuka and JT Tuomalau. Um, and those OU are two really, names. OU really only has like a well, shot at one of those guys, right? Yeah, and it's a bit of a long shot. I mean, you got to get them on campus at some point if you really want to be realistic about about your chances there. But um, with that, I mean, with Ohio State, I don't see it affecting it too much. If it was any other Big Ten school, um, obviously that would be a big advantage for OU. But with Ohio State and the success they've had, I just don't know if that moves the needle for OU. It makes sense. And, I mean, Oklahoma – they're they they're coming off a Sooner Summit that we discussed last week. I mean, getting a lot of guys and having Kamar Wheaton on campus was big time for them. And of course, Caleb Williams' family just still working with the NCAA, and people are still angry about them getting on campus and acting like it's not possible for anybody to go on the stadium, <laughs> even though it is public property. You can go there when it's not nighttime. A lot of people tr- pass through it during the day. But yeah, it's just it's just interesting that the Big Ten is now reversing course. The Pac-12 definitely will not reverse course, and yeah, so really, 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 really interesting, but also intriguing and stupid that the Big Ten did this in the first place. It just, <laughs> it just seemed a little bit too like premature of a decision. Not that they shouldn't have made the decision, just the timing of it was weird. Yeah, because like they were they were the first ones to go in the. Pac-12 said, well, I guess we have a press conference in an hour. And then they said, well, yeah, we're out too. You think that they thought it was a domino effect and it just never happened? And then the ACC said, well, I guess we're going to play. And then the SEC said, yes, too. (laughs) And then both, I guess the duo of both conferences looked at at the Big 12 and kind of just was like, hey, what are you doing? And the Big 12 decided to play. And that's with like... The, the new COVID test kits where you can just, like, get one test and your results are done in 15 minutes and it only takes a saliva swab. So, that's good stuff. Man, incredible. Like, Vanderbilt had a linebacker opt back in before the Big the Big Ten officially decided to rethink their stance. <laughs> Vanderbilt. The weirdest thing is this has all happened with pretty much within a month. Yeah. So, it's like every day is something just drastic happens oh man i'm not about it somehow the big 12 keeps chugging along do you think the big 12 has been getting a lot more respect because of this oh yeah most definitely at least in the football category would you entertain 
the thought of poaching Pac-12 schools considering everything happening right now? I mean, it would if it was the right schools. You'd need like uh what if it was both Arizona schools and something like Colorado? I don't know if that makes the Big 12 better. Like if you got someone like Oregon, yeah. That would make the Big 12 better cuz that's a school that has a lot of money. Um, pretty committed fan base, and they're well-respected um, throughout the nation. But, like, Colorado, um, I don't really see it. Arizona, Arizona State would be good, though. If you could just add both Arizona schools and add BYU because they're close on proximity toward another, I wouldn't mind that. That wouldn't be bad. But then, of course, you'd have to add another Big 12 team unless, unless you added three and just said, hey, West Virginia, go beat in the ACC again. Right, that would work. But the, the ACC would have to accept West Virginia because, like, it doesn't. They shouldn't be in the Big Twelve. They're on the other side of the country. <laughs> you don't love the trips to Morgantown? No, it's just it doesn't make any sense because they were in the Big East, and then they beat the hell out of the Sooners with uh, oh Is it Pat White, Pat White, and the the Noel Divine kid. He yeah. was like five foot seven, but incredibly fast. <laughs> they had their head coach was was that uh, Rich Rich Rod? Maybe because they had their their like interim head coach actually come in, and oh, you saw that Alan Patrick, I think, and they just got completely destroyed by that West Virginia team that actually lost to Pitt, and they should have been like in the national title game that year, I think, if I remember <laughs> anything correctly. It's just. But they just don't belong at all. Now, they might have belonged if you had snagged Louisville and Cincinnati earlier. That would make a little bit more sense. But to have them now as, you know, everything north and south, and then maybe if you added Arizona, which is slightly to the southwest, that would make sense because there's not much travel between. But West Virginia going to the the Atlantic coast or near the Atlantic coast in the Appalachians, that doesn't make any sense, but whatever. <laughs> But, all right, guys, this is a little bit early, but we are going to talk about Spencer Rattler being named your official starting quarterback and other things within camp right now. Um, But first, let's send you guys to a break for our sponsors. All right, Steven, so Lincoln Riley, just like he does every year, even though there's probably not a quarterback battle, finally names... An official starting quarterback for the Sooners and Spencer Rattler, despite Tanner Mordecai missing 50% of all practice <laughs> and not being healthy. And it's just been a long time. We knew about this for so long. And then especially when, with Tanner Mordecai not even practicing for like half of camp, it just solidifies it. But we waited and waited and waited for Lincoln actually to say you know, what he thought. And finally, he's the starting quarterback. So... Does that change anything whatsoever, or do they just keep on going? I mean, it changes nothing because he was going to be the starting quarterback regardless. <clears throat> and you can even go back pretty much to the LSU game um, when Spencer Rattler came in to relieve uh, Jalen Hurts uh, and Tanner Mordecai just stood on the sideline. That's when you pretty much – it was everybody knew that Spencer Rattler was the guy after that point. Um, usually, I mean, in the past, Lincoln's kind of hit it, you know, you – put it in your second string guy, and then you have a quarterback battle. Um, at this point, Spencer Rattler, he had to get him some experience. 
um, because he's the guy and everybody knew it. What do you, so we, we talked about this a little bit last week. What are your expectations upon Spencer Rattler? Because we said the marker was 2015 Baker Mayfield to where, you know, you, you could light up the, you could light up the stage. You could really put on a show and, but at the same time is prone to not necessarily disasters, but prone to mistakes because of the confidence in his own abilities. Well, overly because, confident. Yeah. Lincoln said he is somewhere between Kyler and Baker as far as personality and confidence wise. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I think um, as far as Spencer Rattler goes, we know the arm talent's there. Um, we saw it throughout his high school film, um, talk through camp, that kind of stuff. So um, we know the arm talent's there. The real question is with him is we know he can make the throws to win the game. Um, can he make the th- can he make not make the throws to lose the game, pretty much? Yeah. Um, so I think in that respect, it's a little bit like Baker 2015. I think that's a good comp, uh, comp for him. The thing I was most happy about was Lincoln Riley saying he was not really much at all like Jalen Hurts. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> like, and that, that's from a personality standpoint. But I so he also, sees all the field? Yeah, he sees all the field. But also, when you talk to him in press conferences, he's going to give you like a decent answer and not post like Instagram workout videos or be really short and awful with the medium. He was not fun at all. I, don't I thought get it was it. funny at sometimes. Like it's it I thought it was funny about how bad he was and how like really rude he was. And he wasn't like rude, rude. He left much to be desired and gave nobody any quotes that wanted their quotes. He's especially he's, Trammell. Yeah. I think he got and you know Barry Trammell's a well-respected guy, um, but there's some times where he phrases his questions to get the answer he wants. Yeah, and Jalen would just be like, "No." <laughs> so Jalen, yes. uh, you know, you've been to Auburn, uh, Auburn, Alabama in the Iron Bowl, but this OU Texas game, it's a it's a different kind of a rivalry. And then he says, "Everybody's a rival. Every game's a rivalry." And everybody just collectively <laughs> rolled their eyes, like, "Dude, shut the hell that, up!" Yeah, that was a little bit. Annoying. Dramatic. And almost lost the game. This man almost... <laughs> I, I can't. I can't. <laughs> it's Spencer Rattler season. And that means, especially with a... Especially with an offensive line that Coach Bill Beatembo has been built... Has been building is, is incredible. I mean, you've got guys like Creed Humphrey coming back. Tyrese Robinson. Marquise Hayes. Uh, Adrian Ely, and then you have a ton of names that have been really popping in practice. Andrew Rame's been coming on. Anton Harrison's been coming on. Aaron Parks, Bray Walker, Stacey Wilkins. There's a ton, ton, ton of bodies and legitimate bodies that are really going to be helpful helpful for Spencer Rattler because, I mean, so remember F- Bake's first year, he was running for his life against a school like <laughs> Tulsa. Tulsa. Remember, he was running for his life against Tulsa. And that doesn't seem like the case this year with Spencer Rattler. He is walking into a room where he has a bunch of bodyguards, not just the ones, but a, a bunch of guys with the twos can play really well as well. Right. Like, I guess I guess Anton Harrison has really been, like, coming on to the point where he may get, like, legitimate snaps, like, like leg- early legit snaps over a guy like Eric Swenson or maybe a guy that starts the season out 
with the twos, but after that Texas game, that shows you all you need to know, maybe transitioning to him over to left tackle. So there's a lot to like about that. And how much does OU is going is how much is OU gonna have to pay to coach for how much does OU I can't talk going to pay Coach it's B late. to stick around because this man is consistently I mean it says that he's a run game coordinator for you know, for, the, for all the money but we all know what his job is it's to just get big mean ugly dudes that like punching people right and um, how much they how, like how much are they gonna have to pay this guy to stick around because if Oklahoma loses a coach Bill Beatembo as opposed to a guy like as we've seen in oh what's his face that went to Texas because he was awful. Bulwer? Yeah, as opposed to Coach Bulwer, who didn't really move the needle at all. I mean, we would be really, really unhappy and terribly shocked if Beatembo took a head job somewhere. Yeah, I wonder if they don't uh, just entertain it with a like an OC role, just like at least like the label of OC. You don't have to run the offense, but right. um, you get the name and you get the pay that comes with it. And I think that's. Maybe the next step there. I know that there's guys like Shane Beamer that that's being talked about. Kel Gundy, another guy like that. But, uh, man, it, it would be tough to replace Bill Beaton at Oklahoma. He's just done so well. And uh, it seems like he's finally found his groove in recruiting. He's got that uh, that respect, um, that NFL respect as well. So, I remember, I remember that day. I can't remember if it was a spring or the fall. I'm sure it was a spring because the fall would make any sense. But I remember the day that Coach Montgomery said he was going to the Packers, and, and the news like, broke, no. and everybody was like, "No, this is the worst news ever!" Because he recruited guys, and like none of them played that much. I'm trying to think, maybe I want to say Gallimore was like the one guy that panned out. Maybe. Yeah, Gallimore panned out without the help of those guys, and. Everybody, a lot of people on that defense panned out without the help of the people that recruited them. I mean, Motley is panning. Was looking like a good place in in Tampa, and I can only imagine what a dude like Jordan Thomas would be like if he had been around during Alex Grinch and Roy Manning and stuff like that. Way not just falling off. Yeah, like a lot of these guys got worse or just stayed the same over their careers and never got any better. Whereas, I mean, in Alex Grinch's system, you're expecting Patrick Fields, DeLorean Turner Yale, maybe Trey Brown, but definitely Jaden Davis to take a next step in this defense because they know what's expected of them, which is really going to be really nice. We can talk about that next week about Gary Patterson. The reason why TCU is so good is because, A, Patterson is just a mastermind of defense, but also he has a system and body types that he recruits to. Right. And so people know their role and people know their body types. And here... You're finally being able to do that. Recruit body types for schemes and guys that will know their role they can grow into. But and maybe even recruit a little bit better just because you're Oklahoma and not yeah. not TCU. Right. Oh man. But you know, I heard if uh OU is I heard if OU is based out of Fort Worth, they'd be one of the best schools <laughs> ever. No, I'm just kidding. Uh yeah, people said that. Uh, so the wide receivers at OU, you've got a bunch of dudes, and but it doesn't look like, and this is to me, and this might be unfair criticism, and let me know if you think it is. You don't have any stars for the wide receiver. You have a bunch of 
decent to pretty good wide receivers, it seems like, but no true stars. I mean, now, Jaden Hazelwood probably would be a star, but this dude is not playing. It doesn't seem like he should play this season either. It seems like a, an Achilles or ACL or whatever he's nursing should be a thing, especially in a, in a shortened season, to maybe just take it easy and sit out. But do you think that Oklahoma is going to be fine with receivers? You know, the, the, what, the starting lineup at receivers is probably like something like Rambo, Weiss, Stogner at HY, whatever they want to put him at, and... Um, what, Theo Howard or somebody else? I mean, w- what does that lineup do for you? So you're asking if, like, uh, are there any potential great players in that group? Do you think so? Oh, I think so, yeah. Um, I mean, for starters, I mean, Theo Howard's a guy that fits the system really well as a speed guy. Um, we'll have to see if he kind of loses a little bit of step there with the Achilles injury, but um, absolutely could be a star on this offense. Um, Theo Weiss is another guy we kind of saw flashes of. Um, he's got the talent. He's got a huge frame at 6'3". Uh, so it's not a guy that's really been there for a while, and he can move. He can move better um, than a lot of people expect. Um, Jaden Hazelwood, you'll have to wait and see kind of because he's out for a while at least. And then Charleston Rambo, he's a guy that I think a lot of people – don't take him as a deep threat that well because, I mean, he was just missed last year. And it wasn't his fault. He got open. Yeah, he was wide open a lot of times. Um, but down the field, I mean, he looked good. He looked like he could be a star. Maybe not in the respect that C.D. Lamb was, but right. um, maybe like a D.D. Westbrook potentially. Yeah, because I don't, I, don't I don't think Rambo's going to be the type of guy like C.D. Lamb or Sterling Shepard, or even Jaden Hazelwood that we've seen flashes of, that I don't think he's going to be the type of guy that goes up and just gets a ball for you. I don't think he's going to be a guy that makes goes up and high points a ball and makes clutch catches for you. I could be wrong, but he seems like, a, like you said, a D.D. Westbrook, kind of a burner that can make some clutch catches, but he's not going to go actively climb the ladder over somebody else and moss somebody. I just don't think he has that ability. But... When you got an offensive line like that, I mean, any you've got other guys like Obi Obiallo, the guy from Marshall, that mm-hmm. is supposedly sliding into that Lee Morris security blanket role, which is really really nice that Oklahoma never utilized last year except for about four or five times, and then Grant Calcaterra officially retired and then unretired and is transferring. Where is he? Where's he going to again? <clears throat> Calcaterra. Yeah, or is he just naming I that don't he's transferring? Know if he's picked a place. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I, I didn't think so, but I mean intriguing i think because they'll have a presence over the middle again they're gonna i imagine they're gonna lean heavily on the run game at in the beginning of the year and then slowly transition to opening up the playbook especially for iowa state and texas which should be interesting in the wide receiver group as as a whole i mean early on it seemed pretty dark and bleak i mean you we all thought drake stoops which it's it's still going to happen he's still going to get snaps we'll play a role yeah he's not going to get as many snaps as we originally thought with dudes like Weiss, dudes like Howard that are that are actually better than not, and not like talent wise, but health wise because it was rumored that he wasn't going to be playing much, and then his Achilles stuff wasn't as bad as people thought, and he got it happened it happened a lot earlier. So Weiss, Howard, Rambo, Obiallo, Stogner. I'm mentioning yeah, Stogner is what I was about to bring up. Yeah, is Stogner's like what six seven? Six 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 seven He's somewhere in that range. Big, that's the that's a that's the one of the biggest tight ends Oklahoma's had in a long time. I feel like. 
Is he Since, the I mean, Mark forward? Andrews is a, a huge dude, but it's a little bit. Di- I mean, he was more than the six four. We talked about it last week. Yeah. About six four, um, two fifty range. Austin Sogner is listed right now at two sixty two. Six six seven. Gosh, that's a big. That's a, that's a big. So presence. that's a yeah. That's like a Gronk type player. Maybe not the agility and stuff, right. but um, definitely a presence across the middle of the field. That's going to open stuff up for other receivers. And he's more of a he's more of a blocker too than Mark Andrews was. And, and he's a mismatch for anybody on the field. I mean, there are no linebackers. That are six 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 seven. <laughs> there are no safeties, especially in the Big Twelve, that are majority taller than six two. So he's going to have at least half a foot on most of the people that he's going to actually line up against. So, I mean, Stogner is just going to be incredible. I think he's going to have a great year. Now, do I think he's going to have a year like Mark Andrews did in his junior or senior year? No. But do I think he's going to be really effective for the seniors? Definitely. I think he's going to be effective. And then I think that gives you room for Marvin Mims, although he's been held out. And several wide receivers apparently have been held out for what they labeled as illness. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, whatever illness has been going around in the in the very beginning of September and late could August be anything could be anything, uh, especially in 2020. <laughs> illness could mean anything, you know. Definitely not COVID. Uh, but Mims hasn't been in practice as much but we've been very high on mims and what he can do and i think you suggested last week maybe not a sterling shepherd type season but maybe close to what that could be like so really really interesting as far as what the oklahoma offense is going to look like because we never got we never got the big 12 media days this year we never got a chance to talk to lincoln not even the virtual not even the virtual one i think they can that one in last year i mean of course the the funny thing was Barry Trammell asking Lincoln Riley, you know, hey, there's no Bakers, no Kyler, there's no whoever else. You're going to take a step back offensively. And Lincoln said they didn't plan to. Everybody scoffed. And then he made everybody look like a jackass again with Jalen Hurts. And now you have an established offensive line with several really good bodies. You have, of course, you don't have Trey Sermon. You have Kennedy Brooks. But I feel like and you, tell me if I'm wrong here. I feel like Oklahoma would be hurting a lot more if they missed dudes like Charleston Rambo and Theo Howard <clears throat> over a guy like Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon. Would you agree or not disagree with that? Uh, I'd agree with that because I think wide receiver, it takes some time to break into that rotation, especially Oklahoma. Um, so you're not going to have guys that are just – day one guys that's i mean that's a rare thing mm-hmm. at running back that from high school to college that translates a lot easier um and i think seth mcgallon i mean he could be he could be a star this year if if they needed him to it's just really interesting because i the the the, the thing i get or the notion i get from all of this is that yes trey sermon left and nobody was surprised i guess there were some issues going on there and Kennedy Brooks left or opted out per se and it didn't seem like there was any panic from the program and people just carried on as usual with business like just carried on with their business as usual right and nobody was nobody flinched and they just said okay well TJ Pledger he's he's the next guy and then they've got Marcus Major who they've been bragging on for the last year and a half who just kept on getting banged up and this year is finally getting a, a chance to make something happen and 
I had to I had to go look at his huddle film to see what he actually looks like because we we've we've <laughs> like seen yeah we we've seen him in limited action and like it hasn't been good because he's in there with the backup line and I didn't know what they were doing early last year, but he ran really hard. But that doesn't really suggest anything. But then you go look at his huddle film and he's just running over people and not just running over people. Then he's running through people and around people. So you can't really tell how good he is on the college gridiron. But they really, really, really like him. So if Lincoln Riley and Shane Beamer and all those other dudes really like him, then I have the notion that he's going to be good for the offense despite TJ Pleasure likely getting the nod this next weekend. You think Marcus Major gets the nod over McGowan? I think Pledger gets RB1, but Major right. definitely uh, is a contributor. And then after that, going forward, I think – as they see major maybe offers you a few more th- uh, things that pleasure does not because pleasure is like a water bug kind of guy he's stout and he can make cuts but he's not going to run through you whereas i mean major with the thing they loved about trey sermon and kennedy brooks was the ability to run through guys especially on counter plays and major definitely has that he has that ability and so he has a big playability on the run game as far as counters Whereas Pledger is a little bit more sneaky water bug, uh, you know, stop and go sort of right. guy. So it, it, it's definitely two different running styles. But linebackers have been the talk because everybody seems to be getting hurt. <laughs> and <laughs> Caleb Kelly is gone. And now and the depth is already thin. So you talk about, oh, yeah, Deshaun White, he's great. And then you say, "All right, well, who's 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 left?" Brian Asamoah. He's he's a young guy, and he looked good early on last year, and then he just kind of disappeared once Grinch shortened his leash on Grinch shortened his leash on the depth chart. And then people want to say, "Well, I mean, you know, they've got guys like Jamal Morris and guys like Robert Barnes." And you're like, "Okay, no, no, no." <laughs> And then they say, oh, well, they have guys like Shane Witter. I'm like, no, it's a true freshman. You don't want this guy out there, and especially in the Big 12. This is, this is not the SEC where you're just, like, diving at you're – not, you're not diving at halfback isos right up the middle. You're not crashing down onto the nose. You actually have to you know, direct traffic and read both games at the same time, pass and run. And then, I mean, gosh, you have you have guys like Aguebu who's been filtering in. You have dudes like Jonathan Michael Terry who may start at the rush, but if they really need him, he could play inside. There's it has been just not nothing but not great news for the linebackers. You just hope nothing. You hear nothing about the linebackers over the next two weeks. But who are your starting linebackers, rush included, week one, and then who are the starting linebackers after the Texas game? Week one, uh, let's go Benito at the rush. I think he did a pretty good job um, there last year, and especially in the Baylor game. Um, when you move back inside, obviously Deshaun White's one of your starters, uh, whether it's going to be at the will or the mic. I think it's a little bit interchangeable um, in Grinch's system, but you know there's some things that he might move around between the two. And then if I had to guess, I would go Asamoa over uh, – uh, Guaybu, because I think the one thing you look at with a, an inside linebacker is he's a little bit more like the quarterback of the defense. You got to read more 
Um, you got to react a little bit quicker. You got to know what's going on both sides of the field, not just one side. So um, I think he's had more time there, and I think he's a little bit more instinctual at this point. Now, do you think that changes after the Texas game? If it does, it's it's more for Igwebu getting on the field. Okay. okay. I don't think the other two change. Do you think Benito and Jonathan Michael Terry split a lot of time at rush, or do you think one guy gets significantly more snaps than the other? I think you have to roll with the Benito. I think he just looked really good there. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing against John Michael Terry, Terry but um, you know, as far as if he if Benito gets better or just stays the same, it's going to be up to John Michael Terry to kind of overcome that. He has to be better than what we saw Benito be. And this this feels like. Bill Beatenbow in 2015, where you have a lot of young guys down in the linebacking core, and you just need to get a couple of years of no injuries and decent classes to actually have bodies that right. you're readily available to use, and you don't feel anxious using because Oklahoma, if one of these guys goes down, you're looking at former safeties, and you are looking at freshmen and or Brian Mead, which none of these things are the best for any of this. So should be interesting, uh, hoping for health, but somebody somebody that may not have the best health that might have issues is that, well, Teddy Lehman was on the radio today, of course, like he is every day, and he suggested, and this is something we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, he, said it, he suggested that, oh, he's going to have another opt-out, and this guy that is going to opt-out, is not going to be a dude that's preparing for the NFL or anything. It seems like a guy that is just dinged, that doesn't want to play a shortened season, and would just be full go next year. And we keep on hearing about the Redmond rumors of him not really practicing, him having a dinged up shoulder. And so it, it appears as if, I mean, it's not, it is not solid, solidified at all, but I mean, the closer you get to this weekend to game week, would you expect a guy like Jalen Redmond to opt out? I don't know if that's the expectation. Um, and we kind of have to tread a little bit lightly because it's not like a decision has been made. Right. Um, but there are rumors out there with Redmond, um, with his health, that he might opt out. And it wouldn't be for the NFL because I don't think he's an NFL guy yet. But uh, definitely could be um, if he had added more tape to his his uh, portfolio. But um, the rumors are out there, and I think um, it would make sense if he did. Uh, opt out for the season, but I don't think it would be for the NFL. I don't think it would either. I mean, I, th- I think he's got NFL talent, but I think he needs right. to come back to OU for a year he's or two. He's got to show something. Yeah, definitely. He's had health issues every year, seems like, so needs to prove that he can stay healthy, and I think that if he can do that next year, it'll really show teams that, hey, the blood clot things are no longer a thing, and I mean, like last year, his shoulders his shoulders are a consistent problem, aren't they? Like he he had them last year the, during the last Baylor year game? he was dealing. I think it was maybe a left shoulder injury. Um, it was towards the latter half of the season. And I thought they got it fixed, but it just like reverted back to what it was like. Uh, well, you can do surgery, but um, but it's never be a hundred percent, and you have to work to get back to a hundred percent. And I think that's still an ongoing process for him. Especially maybe when COVID hit and you can't really go do physical therapy and do yeah, other things. I mean, that makes sense. That would correlate. So so with all that said, with the wide receivers, the group being a little bit better than we expected, the linebacker group being actually a little bit down than we expected, what are your expectations for the season? And, and, and more specifically, I guess, do you think that – 
defense takes a step forward? Do you think they take a step back? Do you think they kind of stay pat? What do you think that's like? Um, I, I, for expectations, mean just like an overall record or what should be the goal? Sure, both. Yes. So I think that, I think it's entirely possible that oh, you can come back and get the, get another Big Twelve championship. I mean, just their talent alone just puts them in that conversation. Um, as for a record, I don't know if it's going to be ten and zero uh, or whatever it needs to be. I think they do drop a game, so I'll go like nine and one. Maybe, maybe worst case scenario, eight and two, um, just because you have so much youth there. Um, you're breaking in Spencer Rattler. Uh, you got to make up for Gallimore. You got to make up for Kenneth Murray, and I think you need to get better at uh, like like the linebacker position overall and uh, the safety position with with Pat Fields and Delaren Turner Yale. I'm yeah. I, I keep on getting more anxious as the season approaches specifically about the defensive line like especially redmond opts out and then you don't have perkins for however many games that texas game is going to be a bear and so the iowa state game before and then you have good dudes like perry and winfrey who usually juco guys takes them to get a year takes them about a year to get their feet wet to really officially assert themselves but he's been getting a little bit of hype in in the camp so he has maybe that maybe it could be an outlier and then you guys like Jordan Kelly there, which you know it's okay, it's okay depth. Corey Roberson, but you look at the strong side defensive end, and gosh, Stripling, Stokes. Stokes, who in Stokes will be filtering in to play defensive tackle too, but so Stripling and Isaiah Thomas are the two main guys. It's not good. <laughs> right. It makes me wonder if you, at, at some point in another season, do you try to get Reggie Grimes involved, being a high-profile recruit, um, some that that can get he can get off the line. I mean, he's got some pop to his step, so uh, maybe someone steps up, maybe like a Marcus Stripling. You hope, you hope, man, and, and because <laughs> I, feel, I feel like the I feel like the defense, I've always thought they were going to take a. Sp- small not a massive step back but i feel like they were going to take a smaller step back because you don't have a dude like neville gallimore you don't have a dude like kenneth murray and then apparently you're you're going to be missing guys like ronnie perkins you're going to be missing you're going to be missing um oh who am i leaving out yeah, Jalen Redmond. You're going to be missing several guys that can create pressure, Caleb especially Kelly. to begin the season. And so, I mean, if you're missing guys that generate pressure without blitzing, like Ronnie Perkins, Jalen Redmond, and Neville Gallimore were able to do, that puts a lot more stress on your linebackers, and that's going to put a lot more stress on your defensive backs. So I think the defense will take a s- smaller step back and we'll find out a lot more about them when they do play Iowa State in Brock Purdy. I mean, he's... Would you say this defense is more talented than last year, but maybe just not as experienced? I think that's hard to judge because you just lost a first-round middle linebacker right. and you lost a third-rounder defensive line guy that hadn't really... Neville Gallimore, the funny thing about Neville was that every single year we're like, man, if he... If the light comes on, he could be unstoppable. <laughs> and ne- every year after we'd say that, he'd look really good for two games and then would just disappear. And then this past year, because they one-gapped it and changed the schemes, instead of having him play 70 snaps, 40, they had him play 45, he was really effective. So it, it's just really hard to judge because we all know Perry Winfrey isn't going to play 60 snaps. And right. But at the same time, you don't have a monster in the middle of the field 
in Kenneth Murray. I mean, Deshaun White is really good in his own way, but he's not going to fly around the field like Tarzan, like Kenneth Murray did. So I'm just, it's a, it's a completely different configuration up in the front seven, but the back four remain largely the same. So it's just an, interesting to me what it'll be like. I, you could say they're more talented because you have dudes like Delorean Turner Yale that are really coming on. Patrick Field is good, but you also have guys like Woody Washington, Bryson Washington that are big dudes that are good. Uh, Buki has been getting hype. Trey Norwood's been getting some hype. He's a lot bigger. Trey Brown is fast. Um, Jaden Davis. <laughs> Jaden Work that slide into that. Yeah, Jaden Davis, we, we were impressed by him early on last year, and then he definitely hit that freshman wall because he kept on trying to tackle people with his shoulder. So, I mean, they have guys. It's just a matter of can they take that next step. And I think that's what Alex Grinch is talking about. I mean, they, they've been really satisfied with their guys, but – they want them to take the next step, so I guess we'll see over not definitely not next week. You're not gonna see anything versus Missouri State. It's gonna be vanilla everything, runs up to middle, run left, run student body right, uh, attack here. Not not a lot of blitzing, I imagine, before they actually go and play that. Uh, I think it's Baylor, isn't it? For the next game? Yeah. It's uh or did I, Kansas State, I think. Or did I lose my mind since they reshuffled the schedule? <laughs> Because they reshuffled the schedule, so I can't remember which schedule it is. But I believe it's Kansas State. Okay. But the great thing about this team is that they're being led by a dude named Lincoln Riley, who they're, the book about him that just came out, I've read some of it. It's not bad, but I think it's a little bit too soon. You know, you know what I mean? It's a, it's, it's a little early, I feel like. The story's still ongoing. Yeah, the story's definitely still ongoing. That's like if they wrote a book about Bob Stoops. Halfway through the 2000 season, <laughs> like 99, he came to Bob Stop. Bob Soups is an OU, and he started to change the culture of the program, and then had a lot of success in 2000. And then Lincoln Riley, he's came in, he's yeah, came, he's come in, and had a lot of success recruiting, and on the but not on the national stage as far as playing a championship. So I think Lincoln had a little bit more, has a little bit more to prove before you start writing books about him. But who knows? But Lincoln Riley is, though, he is the epitome of the 21st century players' head coach. Would you agree with that? Yeah, just the way, I mean, he brings a newer offensive style. Um, He's younger. He can connect with his players. And I think he understands uh, the social issues that the players are going through. And not just that, he actively wants to be a part of it and he actually wants to be a part of the solution and empowers i guess his students and not students his he empowers his players voices and empowers them to do so and whereas some some teams around the uh big 12 in the nation aren't necessarily that way Talking about Gundy. I mean, it could be Gundy. You know, it, it could it could be Gundy. It could be a lot of other. Guys. You don't you don't <laughs> see many coaches, even in the Big Twelve, speaking out as much as Lincoln Riley has, and really addressing everything with his players, which is it's 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 commendable because a lot of times they you know he's the one saying they should they need to step back, and that they need to effectively listen and let the players do a lot of things as far as social justice reform. I mean. One of the reasons why, one of the reasons why they canceled practice for those however many days, and everybody came back with COVID, was that they were practicing, 
But there's so many things going on regarding social justice stuff. They didn't know if they were going to play. There's COVID. And they said, dude, we're not getting anything accomplished. Like, we're all going through the motions. We don't, there's nothing is getting done effectively out here in practice besides the possibility of somebody getting hurt. And so they called practice because it just, just, they were not in the right mindset. And of course, people came back with COVID and they're getting that under control. But I think it just shows how, and I, I guess, some people will really just crap on Lincoln Riley for this, but by suggesting that he's too woke as a head coach, <laughs> uh, the twelfth man in Edmond really, really hates Lincoln Riley. But I mean, you—if you're a Sooners fan, you have to like everything Lincoln Riley has done. He's done—he's done nothing sh- short of like a, the only thing he has fallen short of for expectations is win a national title and that's and the only thing he's done since he's been on campus is go to the college football playoff that's all that's the only thing he's done has he won any of those games no should he have won one of those games at least yes but i mean it's just it's just intriguing to me that oklahoma has this guy and hopefully we'll have him for several more years in the future who knows though but espn ranked their top 50 players in college football despite guys that aren't even probably going to play this year. They ranked them too. And Oklahoma has one player in the top 50, and he's at number 28 in, in Creed Humphrey. But there are several other players from the Big 12, most notably two Oklahoma State players at 11 and number 17 in Chuba and Tylen Wallace. Then you have three Texas guys, Sam Ellinger at 25, Caden Stearns at 30, which I think is a little bit too high, but because OU has made Caden Stearns look awful a few times. And Samuel Cosme at 41, who Oklahoma just abused him during the last Red River shootout. And then you've got Shane Bouchel, which I think is really interesting, at 39, because he's a former Texas quarterback. And you've got Brock Purdy at 42. And we talked about this for the podcast that we definitely thought if all – else was even Brock Purdy is a better quarterback than Sam Ellinger and even I think Shane Bouchel in a in a, in a spread system meant for the NFL because the NFL is trending toward what Kansas City is Kansas City is doing which was what OU's been doing since 2015 I think Shane Bouchel would be a better quarterback in a system like that than Sam Ellinger too yeah I mean Sam Ellinger he's just not a volume thrower like he, he's a runner he's a runner first and uh, can he make some throws? Sure. He's made some pretty good throws here and there. But is the consistency there? I just don't think so. And I think Brock Purdy, you put him next to each other in, a, in an offense that likes to throw, Brock Purdy's your guy. And I, I don't I don't think it's a hot take to say that. I, I think that's just – I think that's reasonable that Brock Purdy is right now probably the best quarterback in the Big 12. Now, I'm not saying – He's better than Spencer Rattler, even though as a senior, you might, you should probably be a little bit better, especially about managing a game. But I don't think there's anything controversial about saying Brock Purdy is probably the best quarterback in the Big 12 coming into this year. I think Sam Ellinger is all wrapped up in this Texas hype machine because Caden Stearns is not the 30th best player in in the country. I, I don't believe that. No, I mean, he's a good safety. He's a really good safety, but... a top thirty player. Um, I just I, I don't see it yet. Like if Caden if Caden Stearns is at thirty, where's Ronnie Perkins? He'd have to be right next to him. I would say that's maybe even I would say if if you keep Caden Stearns at thirty, 
Ronnie Perkins is probably a 29. Because I feel like Ronnie Perkins can affect the game, especially in the Big 12, a lot more than Caden Stearns is because of how physical and dynamic of an athlete he is. Yeah, but He's more of a difference maker. I digress. But Creed Humphrey at 28? Makes sense. He's a center. Yeah. But nobody else? Nobody else? I mean, there's there's a lot of youth on the offensive side of the ball, so I get that. In the defensive side of the ball, there's not been a lot of talent over the last years. But to omit Ronnie Perkins, maybe it's because of the whole drug thing, I guess. And Lincoln Riley kind of alluded to how all the COVID stuff, they're, they are not thinking about they are, they are not thinking about suspensions right now, even though, uh, hello, game week is next week and games are happening this week. It would be really nice to know who is going to be able to play, despite an archaic rule that smoking weed is bad when, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say all the health benefits of marijuana, but I am going to say that I think that is an archaic rule. I think that it's similar to the blue laws in Oklahoma as far as we could not buy alcohol anywhere on a Sunday or just unless you went to an alcohol like an actual like store and now you can buy anywhere and that was like that was a period of over like 70 something 80 something years where they changed the blue laws that you couldn't buy alcohol in some states specifically you know in the more conservative states where medical marijuana is becoming more of a acceptable thing I think it's stupid that a guy gets high and is like, oh, sorry, you can't play half the season now because, I mean, <laughs> hell, I mean, a lot of people are using marijuana and a lot of people are getting high. Like, the main consumer, which is really interesting by demographic, are like white-collar, middle-aged white dudes because now it's legal in certain facets and they can get it. So it's less stigmatized. And it's just incredible. It's incredible. I hate it. It's dumb. Let those dudes play. They smoked a blunt, <laughs> woohoo! Like they got high and they probably ate food and were like, "There's worse things." Yeah, like they they, they probably they, they got high. They probably ate food and were like, "Oh my god, it's the best food I ever had in my life." And probably took a nap. At least they're not sparking up the crack pipe. That's what I'm saying. This is this is not <laughs> this is not Lamar Odom who was on crack. This is like the dude that just smoked weed and was like, "Oh darn, it's in your pee." Sorry, you can't play for half the year now. Like that's so stupid. And uh, what else is stupid is Sherry Cole still being employed by the <laughs> University of Oklahoma because, I mean, they have been bad since the Paris Twins. They have not been good. And it's and you know how long it's been since the Paris Twins? Like, uh, it's like since, it's, it was when Chris 12? Paul was first in... Uh, 12 years? It's whenever when Chris Paul was still in Oklahoma City, I feel like. Because remember, like, they had CP3 for Courtney Paris, and they had CP3 OKC. I don't know. Yeah. This is bad podcasting. I'm I still have my OKC Hornets uh, shirt. It does not fit anymore, but I still have it. I remember, oh man, I remember going to school. And if you had, if, why did I look at that? If you had the black Oklahoma City Hornets shirt that they were selling at the game days when CP3 was still there, J.R. Smith, David West, when he was actually good, you were, you were really, really <laughs> cool. Was that the one where you just said Oklahoma City Hornets and it had like the little Hornets logo? Yeah, right in the middle. Yeah, that's the one I had. Yeah, that was that was the cool one, man. <laughs> that was I remember going there and and like it was just so cool to go to an NBA game. Yeah, oh, when when was Courtney Paris at OU? This is bad podcasting, but I'm googling it. Career. 
We actually don't prepare for podcasts. We don't. We just say. We just kind of jump on. Yeah. We uh, we were like, hey, does this sound good? And we're like, yeah, sure. Let's fuck it. Let's go with it. Okay. <laughs> uh, so she was drafted in 2009. So 2007 to 2008. Okay. Makes sense. Jeez, that was a long time ago. Yeah. It's kind of weird. I'm getting old. But anyways, Sherry Cole actually got called out by a former player. Uh, by a player named Goya Carter, and she was responding to Lincoln Riley, you know, all the players, similar to the 2015 stuff with uh, SAE idiots. They came out in their Jumpman OU black polos, and Lincoln Riley spoke out on Injustice and, you know, was led by dudes like Creed and guys like Patrick Fields and Chance Sylvie and guys that have really advocated for social reform. And Gwia Carter offers us a different view about how her coach and Sherry Cole responded. She said that <clears throat> she tweeted out, and she said it was about Lincoln Riley. And she said, "I wish I knew what it felt like to have a coach, head coach at OU like this, but instead, my four years were filled with comments like, you guys act like it happened to you. If y'all's long braids hits one of my players in the face, as if people in the braids weren't her players. Not a good look, Sherry." Not a not the best. Not a good look, especially for, and especially for a program that has not been relevant since, like we like we suggested, the Paris Twins since late, the late early two thousands, whatever you want to call it, before two thousand nine. These have been relevant since then. Well, it looks like she would have been with the program during the SAE, I think, incident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from two thousand thirteen to fifteen so to seventeen. Would... That would line up. So, Goya Carter saw it twice, you know? <laughs> it kind of makes me wonder if Sherry Cole just knows where Joe Castiglione hides all the bodies. You know, I mean, because, like, if Patty Gasso has ten awfuls, because th- these haven't been just like, oh, yeah, they've been so-and-so, they barely made the tournament years. They've been awful. <laughs> they've been just bad. Irrelevant. I remember points, I remember. I remember times where... The OU men's basketball team, it was like, okay, yeah, they're all right. But then you would actually watch the OU women's because you knew they would win by 20 points because of the Paris Twins. But those days are gone. And if Patty Gasso had four bad seasons, she would be canned. And it's same for Lincoln Riley. If he, if he had four or five really bad seasons like Sherry, he'd be canned. And you saw what happened with guys like Josh Heupel in the offense wasn't up to snuff for a year and a half. So the fact that Sherry Cole is still like this is it's incredible. I just I don't understand how she's still employed because she just is she does, is just doesn't get it. Should we start a change.org? And just just for fun just to see how many signatures we can get. Probably not cuz it's women's basketball. <laughs> Nobody really pays attention. I mean that sucks, but it's true. But uh Tennessee game was on replay the other day on Fox Sports Southwest, I think. And that's always a fun game to relive, especially because the first three quarters were frustrating as hell, where OU kept on missing turnovers, fumbles, and everything else that they could have done to even that game up or make it close. And then they just somehow, the offense somehow just starts working in the end of the fourth, and then they just go and rough shot on Tennessee in overtime. So what were you doing? What were you thinking? What was your reaction to all of that Tennessee game in Knoxville? 
for that I think I had just moved into a new house and uh, I didn't have TV at the time so I, I bought Sling that day because I was like I gotta watch the game yeah. I gotta get ESPN and uh, it worked terrible it, I saw like every third play Ugh. up until the overtime so once, once it hit overtime the stream was great it was perfect <laughs> But throughout that whole game, I had no idea what was going on. I just kind of saw, like, every third play, it would freeze. I'd, I'd cuss at the TV, and then I would get to another play. Like, okay, maybe they're making a comeback here. That's frustrating. That's, like, really frustrating. Well, I mean, maybe miss, missing all those plays it probably wasn't probably wasn't a bad thing. <laughs> probably better for my health. It was just incredible that the, how that game unfolded. And I remember it was Baker's first big test because it was 2015, and he eluded so many sacks from that t- Tennessee defensive line, several guys of which are in the NFL now. And dudes like Sterling Shepard came to play, Samaje Pirine, Joe Mixon. It was just that was really cool. And I Didi had some some yeah, pretty big catches. He did. In that and game. Jarvis Baxter, uh, before he started talking trash about riding the bench, <laughs> was there. AD Miller uh, gets the off no offensive defensive pass interference, even though the ball is thrown roughly three feet over his head in the back of the end zone. But it's just something special about that game because I knew as soon as that third and fourteen play in overtime after Shep had just completely just worked that defensive back for that touchdown in the second overtime, as soon as uh, Josh Dobbs let go, let go of that ball on third and 14, it was clear that you saw Sanchez just streak up the field on your TV set. You, you saw Sanchez just like yeah. run straight up the field on your TV, and I was like, oh, my God, is he about to ice this game like actively in slow motion? He catches it. Goes down to the ground. Everybody goes nuts. Striker is, you know, telling everybody to suck it. Hatari Bird's flipping people off. <laughs> Butch Jones is over telling Striker to, you know, I think Butch Jones said that he was a good player to strike, but he needed to act with a little more class. And Striker said, okay. And then he went to the recruits that Tennessee was hosting. was like, I disrespected this shit. The SEC sucks. Come over and play at Oklahoma. After Butch Jones like, hey, be nice. Uh, so I, that's a, that was just a really special game. And I think a, a game that Bob Soup said was one of his favorite games he ever coached in. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Was that the famous Bob Soup's with uh, Mixon and Piran? Oh yeah, with like them? like his hands, his like, arms, yeah. arms over their He's shoulders, like looking in the sky. Yeah, <laughs> it's like we did it. I don't have to. Do you remember them zooming in on uh, Trevor Knight like four or five times? Yeah, especially during the middle of the game. Like, mm, it's not going well. It might be Trevor Knight time. Trevor Knight's just flexing. Yeah, and then thank God he never had to play because we saw what he tried to do with the TCU game. That I think, oh, that was the game that we were at Brady's place and we we uh, kind of commentated over when Trevor Knight came in yeah. and tried to effectively completely lose that game in every fashion <laughs> possible. Brady Trantham, friend of the pod. Yeah, great dude. Franchise, 107.7. Great dude, great professional, great hair, great muscles, everything. Nice shoes, too. Those pink New Balances, or whatever they are, I think they're nice. Yeah, Brady's kind of mad at me right now. What would you do? Well, he's not mad. He's holding a little bit of a grudge. Did you so, leave uh, him high and dry at the pump? This is what happened. This is the true story. <laughs> uh, I went to the pump. Uh, me and one of my other buddies, we just... Had a day off, so hey, let's go grab a drink when the, the when the bar opens. 
And uh, as soon as I get a table, I set the drinks down. I'm sitting down, and Brady immediately walks in. And he's like, I was like, oh, Brady. Because I, I thought, I was like, you know what, Brady lives down the street, but he's been in Colorado all mm-hmm. week, so I don't know if he's back, so maybe I should just text him or hit up in a group chat and be like, hey, you back. Immediately walks in. It's like he knew I was going there. <laughs> so I was like, hey, Brady, I was about to text you. And he's like, oh, you were. And I was like, oh, great. We're going to pull this card. So he's he's a little bit sour about that. You know, you might you might want to check your phone for if if he entered in some stuff on your phone so he could track your Apple ID, see where you were. <laughs> you just find my friends on. Yeah, because my my fiance did that to my phone just to like make sure like if I because I, at night if I'm not working out uh, whatever I, I'll go like on a jog because duh it's a lot cooler at night and. I guess scientific crap says that it's easier to breathe on. It's easier on your respiratory system if you run at night. Like a full moon. Yeah, it's easier on your respiratory system for running at night, which is good. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'll start doing that. Going on runs and walks at night too. And then so my fiance can be like, she can know if I, you know, die in the middle of the street if I if my little icon has stopped for at two hours. Or, like, if it's super late and I can see, like, maybe my fiance is still at work. So, that, that's good, but, or, this, you know, this could be this could be bad as far as you because you thought Brady was still in Colorado maybe. And then he walks in the door and immediately I have to know you thought, oh, like, I was about to text you. And then the whole thing of, oh, yeah, I sure you were. That's always fun. <laughs> I feel like I got set up for a letdown there. <laughs> a little bit. Man, Joe Mixon got paid. Yeah, uh, a nice little paycheck. He might not be not might not need that unemployment money anymore. And uh, I'm I did not pick him in fantasy. I man, I pick players in I pick players in contract years. I do not pick players the year after they get their contract. I'm I stay away from that. I picked a terrible team well it's who was your first pick pick? pick? that's all that's all i need to know is who your first first pick so i had the ninth pick i had the ninth pick in the draft 12 team half point okay so then what was your first and second pick then i go uh clyde edwards hilaire okay because he fell to me i was like okay that's a good pick and then for some reason i don't know why i did it i was like i have to get mike evans why i don't know something just came over me I mean, Mike Evans is good, but he's not that good. I know Tyreek Hill is right there, and for some reason, oh. like, maybe I shouldn't get all Chiefs players uh, for my bye weeks. So I was like, oh, Mike Evans, bup. I mean, I got... One of the worst things I've ever done in my life. My first pick was Saquon. That's not bad. And then I've got dudes like Julio Jones and... Oh... What's uh, oh my goodness? What's his name? Allen Robinson. So I just I I yeah, not man. Mike Evans. He's is he still in Tampa? Yeah, yeah, yes. Who's quarterbacking Tampa right now? Oh, duh, Tom, Tom Brady. Big Tom duh. Brady. Because I keep on forgetting that Tom Brady. When I did there. this thing, I was like, I I just need to draft more running backs. I don't know. I was wearing an Ezekiel Elliott jersey. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I got, it was like, it's probably counterfeit or something. I got it for like 20 bucks. So I was like, I'm going to wear this during my draft. It must be possessed because all I did was I just kept taking running backs. Yeah. And I, I was mean, like, you, I should probably take a receiver if, here and there. But I was like, oh, running back available? 
Boom. If you hoard all the running backs, though, because we we did we did this in the league last year. If you hoard all the running backs, you are effectively going to force people to trade with you that need running backs. I hope so, that so then you because running backs and it's funny, running backs in the NFL are a dime a dozen, but running backs in fantasy you yeah. need one really really badly. <laughs> so so I got I got like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I got Melvin Gordon. Uh, where's Melvin Cam Gordon Akers. now? Because he left San Diego. Denver. He's in Denver. All right. So I was like, oh, that's a pretty that's good, a good situation. situation for him. Zach Moss, Leonard Fournette, Duke Johnson. And Leonard Fournette, which got... just who just signed with the Bucks, right? <laughs> so that's looking like a better pick. Yeah. And I got Boston Scott. He's he's the backup to Miles Sanders. So not bad. This a... took about fifty running backs. I picked a lot of guys before I picked a quarterback, and I'm regretting it. Who's your quarterback? I don't want to talk about it. The Drew Brees. Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> <laughs> And as a Steelers fan, I hate myself because I hate Ben Roethlisberger too. <laughs> Is that like the last dude left? You couldn't just go to like Cam Newton or something. Ben, let me tell you. Let me tell you what. I have Derek Carr could be a good pick. Pick up. I mean, I've got Ben Roethlisberger, and then there's really there was nothing left. I mean, guys that are left. You have Tyrod Taylor. Who I'm not going to pick up Tyrod yeah. Taylor. Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers is left. But I don't. I don't mean. I guess I could take a chance on Jared Goff, even though of how bad he was last year. It might be better than. Uh, I'm not high on Derek Carr. At all. Uh, would you go Teddy Bridgewater? He's available. That's pretty good. He's available. That's a pretty good offense. I don't know. I don't know. I'll just have to see. Yeah, Roethlisberger's not good, but. Oh man. We're coming into this podcast. This, there's actual games this weekend, but the, I think the biggest game this weekend that a lot of us will tune into is actually on Labor Day, so next, I guess Monday. BYU and the Naval Academy. Like, there's nothing like college football, and I, I know there'll be limited attendance, but there's still going to be attendance. How excited are you? Because like, I know we probably watched. Did you watch the UCA game? Yeah, I went to. Uh, I went to like. New State Burgers in the plaza and watched it. And so, like, we were actually, like, watching this game, but now it's actual teams in BYU and at Navy, and there are other D1 schools playing, too, this weekend. But, I mean, it just feels good. It feels good to be back, doesn't it? It does. The one thing that was kind of frustrating, I was like, guys, look, this is this is real football. This is live. And no one's like, okay. So I was just like, fuck you guys. <laughs> I'm waiting for this, like, 12 months. Oh, man. I sh- kept on thinking, please don't do the spring, or please don't cancel the entire season. I can't do this for another 18 months. And they're still they're chugging, man. They're they're still going about it. They're still doing a lot of – they're still playing. And BYU at Navy is the real, the real first game. And then – That's going to be a fun one. That should be good in Annapolis. And then the week after is officially game week. So we'll get into our – I mean, we're not going to talk a lot, a lot about Missouri State that first week. 100%. We're not going to talk, we'll talk about – OU, though. We're going to talk about OU. We're going to talk about practice. And then – We'll have a post-game, and again, after that Missouri State game, there's not going to be a lot to be like, oh, yeah, they played Missouri State really well. It's probably going to be more along the lines of, how did Spencer Rattler look? How did the offensive line look? How did the defensive line look, et cetera? Who played? Who didn't play? It's probably going to be like that. But I'm just genuinely excited over this next week and a half. I mean, high school rivalry games are happening this week. I mean, the the Norman Norman North game is canceled, but Moore and Westmore are still on this week. 
There are other games that are going to be played this week that are rivalry games for high school, and then that carries you on to this weekend for a Labor Day weekend on Monday for many people will be out of work. And then you get college football the very next week, officially, in the NFL too. So, man, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Um, but I, th- I, think I'm, I think I'm done. Do you have anything else? No, I think, uh, I guess, is the next pod we do a post game? Or I think the next podcast we'll do is not necessarily previewing the Missouri State game because there's not a lot to preview, but definitely talking about, hey, the depth chart's probably going to be released by then. Right. Talking about that. And then the very next podcast after that, though, we'll be following the pay-per-view of Missouri State. There you go. We're, like, officially back. We are officially back, and you will officially sign your contract. Probably should do that. <laughs> Probably should do that. Maybe. But, Stephen, tell them where they can – I know you dropped one, I think, yesterday, and I retweeted that. But tell them where they can find the Discord, because I know several people have joined within the last however many hours. Oh, I need to check. But, uh, yeah, I tweeted out. Uh, I need to get better about tweeting it. I always say I tweet it out, but sometimes I don't. Uh, but I'll always tweet out a link. Um for the Discord, it's probably like 10 or so invites. Um, but if you ever want one, you can just DM me or you can DM, DM Kamiar and we'll send it to you. Yeah, I had two people DM me just the other day about wanting to get in the Discord, and it was really, really simple. So, I mean, it, we just there's, there's a ton of things that are going on in there 24-7, especially with the NFL starting up and fantasy. There's It's just there's a lot of things to look at. We may need to do a new, new introduction thread mm-hmm. just to get people reacquainted. And then... We also have the ability, I don't know if I talked to you about this, but we can actually do uh, like live audio in there, so we can go in there and talk like we're on a podcast. Voice channels. We're, if OU's losing, we can just scream the F word <laughs> the entire time. Yeah, that'd be good. So, Well, all right, man. Well, hey, guys, thank you for listening to us throughout this extended, weird period of off-season, basically from spring break till now. We've officially made it to football season. There's nothing that's going to stop this unless COVID does just eventually just kill everything in four four weeks, but that doesn't seem very likely. It seems like even Major League Baseball, if they're continuing to push on and make that thing work, I think college football is going to continue to push on and make everything work. So I'm just excited to be covering you know games and watching games, even if OU is going to drop 60 on a Missouri State team. Just thankful for everybody that have listened and thankful to all the new subscribers that listen to us. And, of course, after the games, now, from now on, we're going to have post-game stuff. So a lot of stuff just to listen to if you're drunk or just the morning after the game. Who knows? And um, you guys can find us at CrimsonandCreamMachine.com. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at CameronRobbieNCCM. You can follow Steven at OUUpdatedSB. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and a lot of other places that have podcasts. And if you guys would give us a five-star review, you would greatly appreciate it. It makes us easier to find. And we just enjoy it when you guys actually review our stuff and let us know what you think. So football next week, game week next week. Excited. I'll check you guys later.